Come and get it, you undead sack of shit. Hey everyone, welcome back to Underrated. This is a film podcast where we discuss movies that are underrated, underappreciated, or ones that have flown under the radar and passed most people by. I am one of your co-hosts, Derek McDuff, and joining me, as always, are Ariel Ortiz. Hello. And Alan Torres. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And we are joined by a very special guest, a good friend of mine who's who's been on the show before. I've been on his show a couple times. Uh, we've got Matt from the Matt and Mark Movie Show. How's it going, dude? Hi, underrated. I gotta say, I just gotta say really quick. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, so, so Matt, uh, th- thank you for for choosing this movie. Before we get too much into it, um, why don't you tell uh, tell the audience a little bit about you and your show? Yes, um, I'm from the Matt and Mark Movie Show. We aspire to be a movie review show. This is what I'm telling people now. We aspire to be a movie review show. What we actually are is kind of just like a hangout show with me and my buddy Mark of 20 plus years. Um, We've both been in and out of the industry. Uh, We love movies. And every week we catch whatever the major release is. If there's nothing decent, we'll catch something on streaming. And you just kind of wind up hanging out with us afterwards as we kind of try to review the movie. Sometimes we're successful. Sometimes we're not. Yeah, that's that's the gist of it. We have a robot sidekick. His name is Asbot. It's a wild time. <laughs> so, you throw all these things into a blender and it works. It kind of works, I guess. Yeah, that's well, the Mad Mark movie. One thing I really appreciate about your guys' show is that it is, you know, very conversational, very hangout. You know, you have your robot named Asbot, you know. Uh, so you guys talk about a lot of schlock, which is great. But you guys also, like, know your shit. Like, you guys went to film school. Like, you like you said, you, you were in the industry and stuff like that. So it's not just, like, a couple of guys who are like, this movie's good, this movie's bad. It's like, you know, you have that cool hangout vibe, but some people who actually know what the fuck they're talking about. So... It, it so it's very I it's it's right up my alley you know and that's that's oh, why I've loved you. listening so, so for so long. Um, thank you very much. You have a, a reputation to live down to. So thank you very <laughs> much. Um. So yeah, definitely definitely go check that out, guys. After you're you're done listening here, but uh, yeah, this was your pick, and uh, I don't believe I've said the name of the movie we're covering yet, which is Bubba Hotep, a 2002 supernatural horror question mark um starring the one and only bruce campbell as elvis in a retirement home going up against an ancient mummy with a cowboy hat and that is not mad libs that is what this movie actually is uh matt chose this movie and i would really love to hear we'll let as we always do we'll let the guests go first so tell us about this movie and why it was your pick for us here on underrated so this was um, so I I do genuinely tend to lean more horror in my picks, and so I brought your hey, the last you. this wonderful show, right? And I'm excited to podcast with Alan tonight too because I know he's the horror <laughs> guy here, the resident horror guy. So you've got two horror heads on the show tonight. Yes. But last time I was here, I brought your next, and this time around, I was I'm happy to be here with Bubba Hotep because I feel like your next was a very underrated movie. Bubba Hotep to me feels like the most underrated movie I can think of made in horror in the last two decades. And it's simply because I think on the surface, it looks like this very silly Mad Libs movie. You've got Elvis, mummies, you've got 
and you know old ozzy davis saying that he's jfk like you've got all these weird <laughs> things in a blender in the movie and on this and it is that it is kind of that funny midnight b movie but there's actually a lot more going on underneath it like people i think if you've given it a chance you know you're probably an evil dead fan but there's more under the surface. This is a movie about obsolescence. I'm not even kidding. This is a movie about how we treat our elderly. It's a movie about kind of finding what it means to be young again. Like kind of like the best, one of my favorite subgenres ever is old exploitation, like grumpy old men, <laughs> my fellow Americans out to sea. Like this is an old exploitation movie. It's about old people rediscovering life and what makes them youthful. It's great. It's also loaded with, I think, maybe the best Bruce Campbell performance of his career, I think even better than Ash in any of the Evil Dead movies. And I love all the Evil Deads, but he's really acting here. So it's it's great. <laughs> it's a phenomenal movie. Phenomenal. And I haven't even gotten to Don Coscarelli, who made all the Phantasm movies and happened to like make this movie. And I even think it's better than the Phantasm movies. I think this is the best thing that Don oh Coscarelli has ever made, gosh. ever. <laughs> That's why I brought it here to Underrated. <laughs> yes, yes. You, you're going to have to like go into depth into this because I did not. I mean, yeah, you get kind of senses of like, oh, how did you your LD? But my gosh, you 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 got to be digging. <laughs> you're going to have to explain this for me because, yeah, like for me, yeah. On the surface, very B-rated movie, very in line, like classic Evil Dead especially Evil Dead 2, and then, yeah, Army of Darkness, for sure, you know, feel of a movie for me, just, like, from the beginning, from those first explanations of the definitions of Bubba and then Hotep, I knew exactly what I was getting into, so uh, we could give that a plus <laughs> to the movie because, it like, it sets you up. You're going to be in for, for a time. But for me, I do want to say... Yeah, it's good. You know, it's classic Bruce Campbell. But for me, my, my first introduction to Bruce Campbell wasn't actually the Evil Dead movies. It was actually a project that he did after this Boba Hotep. It was Burn Notice. And for me, Burn Notice is like, Bruce Campbell and Burn Notice is freaking phenomenal. Like, yeah, he could he could really do, like, comedy and drama and mix them well together. But, yeah. So, so for me, I, I just had a little disagree with, like, this is the best Bruce Campbell. I'm like, ah. <laughs> It's the best Bruce Campbell being classic Bruce Campbell, you know. If you're a team Bruce Campbell fan, are you also, have you discovered Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. yet? Yeah, I've seen Briscoe. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's great in that, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, classic Bruce Campbell in that horror element. Like, he definitely is in his element in this movie. Like, just insanity just the more and more the more details are added to this story the more and more it gets like insane like okay first you start off with okay this is elvis a guy that thinks he's elvis or is elvis we don't know in in a nursing home he has like maybe possibly a tumor on his dick it might they spent a lot of time know. talking about yes. his oh, dick. Oh no, yeah, definitely, definitely. Like too much. Talk. I was not expecting how much of this movie was just gonna be him monologuing about a weird thing on his penis. I was just like, oh, yeah. you're still going yeah. back with that. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then and then you have like this guy just like very randomly dying, like right next to him. It's sad, yes, it's very sad, but it's just like 
what the heck happened right there? Um, oh, and then, I love and then, that guy dying. That's like when that guy died. Yeah, it gives you two things. One, it shows you mortality. Elvis is going to look down the barrel and know that's waiting for him. Could be him any day of the week. And two, when that guy dies, Elvis, who's supposed to be a hero, right? He doesn't do anything. He's just kind of watching the guy die. It's almost like his first opportunity to be the hero that he's going to become by the end of the movie. And he doesn't do jack shit. It's kind of great that it opens with that. And then at the end of the movie, he's up out of the bed doing something. Becoming the hero that he's supposed to be. Dude, this is like it's gonna be such a transcendental like episode. I I can already see it because you're adding so many layers that like make sense, but like wow, like where did that come from? It's Bubba Hotep, man. It's Bubba Hotep. Yeah. Um. But then yeah, then adding the the black JFK. Oh, they like darkened me up and try to hide me, and it's all conspiracy. And like. I got the I got the woman who says he she's my daughter to take me to to like this do this and that and whatever, and then and then then yeah then go then finally with the mummy with the mummy that doesn't not make any sense why it's cowboy based like at first I was like oh he like abs- because the first time they show like he's a cowboy is after like he possibly like you think that he killed the cow the um ta- the Kimosabi guy the Lone Ranger guy. And you think like, oh, I like for me, I was like, oh, he like absorbs like their personality or he turns them into like a mummy or something like that. But then it's not that he's just randomly a cowboy mummy. It's Texas. Uh, Everybody's got to wear a cowboy hat. You know this, Ariel. (laughs) Oh, I guess that's what they're going for. But then, okay, And then and then to, to just like level it out. It's like, oh, he steals souls out of your ass. It's not like that. Well, right. any orvis, but it's any like, orvis. no, he's got it. He, he got that woman in the ass. And like, then they kind of like allude to like before it's it said that, oh, he does it out of the ass. They kind of allude to it being that because she stinks. So it's like essentially, yeah, because she like got sucked off in her ass. So it stinks. Like, it's like, yeah, like she got a, a colonoscopy. Yeah, and, it's a really yeah. deep movie. Very deep. <laughs> like oh my my gosh but it's it's just very much an insane movie like if you go in knowing like okay this is gonna be like a classic bruce campbell horror b movie you get the enjoyment out of it it's just like that random like midnight yeah midnight showing kind of movie you know like off straight off of like what elvira would show you know kind of thing for sure yeah. yeah, there's definitely some there's definitely some of the Elvira Midnight B stuff happening. But man, there are so many layers. Like I, I rewatched this today. I've seen this movie a few times and I've seen it both as a young man. Like I saw it when it originally came out. You're talking 20 years ago. The movie turns 20 this year. Mm-hmm. Um that, and last year. I think it was 2022. The release date is weird, <laughs> by the way, because it was roadshowed, which is like weird for something to happen this century. Speaking of that, like midnight show thing yeah. like that never happens anymore right sorry to but interrupt that yeah no, no 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 it's like i saw this as a young man like i'm i'm mm-hmm. almost 40 now i saw this when i was 20 and then you i had a totally different experience re-watching it for this show and kind of re-falling in love with the movie because i've now re-watched it three or four times <laughs> just kind of like falling in love with the movie again and getting so much more out of it because i think like when i saw it when i was younger I was really just watching it through the lens of being like an Evil Dead fan. And I was like, this is so cool. Wow, this is so quirky. Bruce Campbell is Elvis fighting this mummy. This is great. 
And I got so much out of it this time. Like, I truly felt the mortal struggle of man. I'm not kidding. Like, he's so real. Like, in, a, in a, you know, what, what are we, like, six months ago, we had Austin Butler as Elvis come out as, as Baz Luhrmann's Elvis. And, you know, it's this very true-to-life, big Elvis movie. And to me, that feels like the fabrication. This feels like a real Elvis performance. Because there's, yes, there's the Elvis stuff and the thank you, thank you very much and the suit. But there's so much more. He's playing him as a human being. And that that sounds like a really big lofty notion for a movie called Bubba Hotep, where a movie where a mummy wears a cowboy hat. But it's true. Like there's a lot happening subtextually in this movie. And, and it's just if it and and look, all the evil dead stuff is there. We have a great scarab battle scene that is like right out of Army of Darkness. Even down to the, the puppetry and the beats and the gore. It's all there. All the setups are there. But if you sit and wait with this movie, it, it really almost kind of works like this kind of artsy Sundance movie. I love that about <laughs> it. So good. Alan, uh, you're, uh, you're the horror guy. Let's see. Yeah. What do you, you do? Yeah, I, I, I kind of wanted to jump into this. I, I, I love what you guys are saying, but Matt, I'm pretty sure you, you just said that you're, you're pretty familiar with Don Cuscarelli. Uh, Phantasm, you know. Well, this is so much more different compared to Phantasm, but what it's not so much more different. And when I went, I'm really glad I kind of got into this series like a, like 10 years ago. And then I saw the film. So when I watched this, it was kind of almost like getting a prequel in a sense to John dies at the end. This has so much like proto pre John dies at the end, uh, Don Cascarelli, like all the jokes, all the humor, all the practical effects. Like I was like, dude, this is John dies at the end, which I'm, a, I love the, the novel series. And, and I really love the, uh, his movie, like even to the, down to the music, the humor, just everything was so familiar where I was just like, Oh man, he, he totally like, you know, I, I don't get me wrong. I, I, this movie was awesome, but it's just, I feel like he kind of practiced a little bit with this movie and then kind of went into John dies at the end with all of that sense of great sense of humor and just wacky kind of just out of fucking nowhere type of humor. And yeah, like it kind of blew my mind. Like I finally got to see it, you know, today, right, right before we recorded and just watching it. I was just like, I'm really mad that I didn't get to see it sooner, but I'm also pretty happy that I got to see it now after reading, you know, the first three books and watching the film, but yeah, sorry, uh, my bad thing interrupted. No, no, not at all. I, I I love hearing that because I also love John Dies at the End. And a little cool bit of geeky trivia, John Dies at the End with Paul Giamatti. The reason Paul Giamatti is involved in that movie at all was because he was supposed to play Colonel Tom Parker in Bubba Nosferatu, the fake sequel that's set up at the end of this movie. Yeah. And when that fell through and didn't happen, Don Coscarelli was like, I want to work with Paul Giamatti, oh, I have this other movie that I'm doing. I'll just get him for this. And that's how Paul Giamatti wanders into John Dies at the end. But I agree with you. It's definitely like, it feels like a stepping stone movie because up to this point, all Don Coscarelli had made were the Phantasm movies. And and to kudos mm -hmm. to him. He does, that's what he does. He's Mr. Phantasm. He's made all the Phantasm movies. Anything Phantasm happens, it's Don Coscarelli. So for him to kind of like, you know, spread his wings, right? The wind beneath his wing style to get to get the courage to do something else. What a great stepping stone movie. But I think to me, and I love John Dies at the End. 
I think it is a stepping stone movie, but I think it's the, for me, and I think it's the best thing Dodd Coscarelli's made because it feels like, it doesn't feel like a cut rate B movie to me. Like it feels like a really slow burn, serious movie with a lot on its mind that happens mm-hmm. to have a mummy that eats souls out of your ass. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> kind of perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, it's a much deeper film and, and it's so it was it's kind of sad too like you know like you were saying earlier there's a lot of you know it shows how we treat you know our elderly and there were so many times where I was like oh man this is really sad <laughs> and yeah like compared to John dies at the end where John dies at the end is about like some dumb 20 year old stoners and shit just fucking getting into the wackiest cosmic shit they can but yeah with this one it, yeah I absolutely agree that there's so much to it and so much like heart and like yeah bruce campbell i mean i will say i think my favorite performance of bruce campbell's in spider-man 3 but that's just me (laughs) that (laughs) was was my introduction to bruce campbell is the (laughs) spider-man movies (laughs) what's your name kid uh spider boy that sucks (laughs) yeah Yeah. human spider (laughs) human spider that's it that's so yeah no Pizza Papa. Enough with the Pizza Papa people. We've had <laughs> oh a- my god. <laughs> pizza Papa. Yeah, so for me, going into this, this is a movie that like I knew about for so long, but I knew, other than just the premise, next to nothing about, like, I knew that this is the Bruce Campbell Elvis mummy movie. And that's like yep. all I knew about it, which is, it's just such a weird concept. And this to, it's. I was like, I know this is a real movie, but it doesn't seem like a real movie. It seems like like a fake movie. Like it was like from like an SNL sketch or like you know like a uh, you know uh, what's that website? Um, uh, Funny or Die or like it's just like like it seems like it was like a fake trailer that got made there. Or, and they're like, ah, oh, here's the fake trailer. And here's the, the, the but no, it's like an actual full length movie. And then, you know, it's like the rumor or something where it's like, how does this thing actually exist? And then so sitting down and watching it and seeing it actually like play out in a 90 minute movie was so fascinating. And you got and you especially, Matt, touched on how great the casting is. I think that if you're going to get someone to play an old, just gross, grumpy Elvis, how can you possibly do better than Bruce Campbell? He's so good. He's doing the Elvis like thing, but he's not like overdoing it. He's really good. And then, you know, you've got the guy who is like maybe Jack Kennedy, but like it gives you like a hint with the scar on the back of his neck that it might be him, but he's not doing a Kennedy voice. You're like, I don't know if he is. I I I think he's Elvis. This guy's definitely not the Lone Ranger. I don't know how all these guys are all in the same place, but it's it's <laughs> it's so just I don't know, like it, it's so wacky and fun. But it does, like you said, Matt, have a lot more meat on the bones than you would expect going in. But yeah, this is this is what I wanted from this movie. And it's it you, you, those movies, movies like this, they kind of rarely live up to your expectation when it, a lot of times they will have those movies that start as like a fake trailer or something. And then they get made into a real movie and they'll be fun for a little bit because it's like oh this is the premise and it's like one you talked about uh i think it's uh strange exports uh, i think that that was one that you talked about on your show oh, matt yeah, yes. yeah well yeah where it's like oh it starts as like a fun trailer and then you make the whole movie and you're like okay this doesn't really work and i know this that's not how this started but it's, it's that same kind of concept of like here's a weird interesting concept but now we have to make a whole movie out of it and a movie that 
I felt like that this year, which was like it was a fun movie, but like I was like, I don't know if there's not there's not anything deeper than this. It's just kind of like, oh, here's the joke, and it was weird. Um, which can't with the Weird Al mm-hmm. biopic this I year, which it. I, <laughs> I enjoyed. Like I thought it was a good movie, it. but it didn't. It wasn't like this where it's like, oh wow, they are really saying something. That it was just a funny movie. Whereas this is like a funny movie, and it maintains that like that kind of weirdness that it was based on all the way through, but it still is saying something deeper about you know like you're saying that the way that we treat people the way that not and not just people just like once something is irrelevant we just kind of move on to the next thing it's like all right and you know even the villain in this the the mummy is this kind of specter of something that is so ancient and so forgotten that is just this shambling thing that just sucks the soul out of your butt and just like destroys everything around it and I thought that was so cool and interesting, a really smart way to kind of use this concept. At first, I was like, I want to see an old Elvis. I want to see, like, a young Elvis doing kung fu and stuff like that. But the more I got into it, I was like, okay, this is this is really good. Also, I did, just for shits and giggles, watch Elvis from this year to kind of compare and contrast. And I do like Austin Butler's performance in that a lot. I don't like a lot else in that movie. But man, it is nice. Just like ninety minutes, it's a good length for a movie. So I will say, I did really yeah. enjoy that. It gets in and out, as opposed, as yeah. opposed to Baz Luhrmann's Elvis, which was three and a half hours of glitter. <laughs> like, oh my god, it's three and a half hours. Yeah, it's that's I've been waiting. Long. God, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's it's. I think it's two and a half hours. I and wanted to god, watch Tom Hanks, whatever he's doing in that, dude. Oh yeah, Tom Hanks is acting like the Burgess Meredith Penguin from the old Batman TV show. Yeah. I was going to say if they, long I, I was going to say if they had managed to, if you know, Paul Giamatti had done it, he probably act based on, you know, seeing Hanks's performance, he would have just done the rhino. He'd be like, envious. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And you would have gotten um, two scenes with him with no context in between. And that's it. <laughs> and then we drop the character entirely. <laughs> there's, there's one thing I do want to ask about, about Elvis in this movie of, was it explained why he seemingly has premonitions? Like, are they from the... Because it seems like he has premonitions, right? <laughs> like yeah, I took that as like a, yeah. almost like a contact high. Like, because he's a little more alive than the rest of the people at the rest home, like when you see them at the lunch scene, he's like the only one with a little animation about him. I was like, oh, maybe it's like a thing where when the mummy's near, he can kind of have that psychokinetic connection where he senses something and we're we, we're told early that elvis has a lot of dreams he dreams a lot his sleep is interrupted and then you really get the connection because first his dreams are all memories from him mm-hmm. switching places with the elvis impersonator which is genius by the way and then later to connecting like the mummy's flashback like emotep you start mm-hmm. to see his like servants and where he came from and that's kind of what I took it as. It was like he's as he's gaining awareness and life, he gets to connect more because the mummy yeah. has some kind of a psychokinetic ability because when he walks underneath power, he sucks out the power. A really Oh my gosh. Like, this yeah, is like holds so much context, like just like yeah. there. Like you have to yeah, read this into is the thing I got on the first watch. Like this was like my fourth or fifth watch today, and I was like, I'm getting so much out of it. It's like just sucking <laughs> up like a sponge. The uh, other the only yeah. question I have is, and I and like you, I will give you this though, Ariel, because if not, it's gonna seem like I'm just like campaigning for this movie. <laughs> yeah. I do think 
Bubba, it's weird that Bubba Hotep is dressed like a cowboy. I do think Bubba, okay. <laughs> I think it's kind of a mistake to not have him in the traditional garb. I get why they did it, because it's Texas, and they're like, let's go with the yeah. theme. I think so it maybe if they that. had, like, yeah. yeah, that kind of flashback of, like, oh, like, if he was getting transported from, like, a uh, a museum in Texas, like, oh, Holcomb, Texas, like, dress the mummy up in a cowboy suit yeah. or cowboy or at outfit. The, at least like have that. the guys on the bus be dressed like cowboys so that you're like, oh, I get it. The bus crashes and he takes one of their yeah. outfits. That's yeah. this, 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 a few gripes with the movie, but that's the only one. Yeah, this yeah. is this is what yeah. it needed. It needed, yeah, them to have like the cowboy hats on the bus, them to go over, and then for him to like walk out of the water like Daniel Craig in James Bond and just see a hat, cowboy hat and put it on like he's goddamn Indiana Jones, and just keep walking. That would have been yeah. perfect. Yeah, and this yeah. Is, and that's not me besmirching Bob Ivy, the actor who plays Bubba, mm-hmm. who is awesome and is like a real student of old Universal, classic Universal uh, monster movies, and he's great. He reminds me a lot. I believe you guys covered the Frighteners, right? He looks like the Hanging Judge mm-hmm. a little. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 He reminded me of the hanging judge, and he also reminds me of Slim. Um, Alan might get this more from House 2, the second story. Remember Slim Razor, the guy that comes out of the table? He's like an old miner. He kind of looks like that guy, too. There's like a whole subgenre of like ghosty cowboy men. <laughs> like <laughs> some enterprising Kim's video employee is going to start putting these together. Um, <laughs> yes. Bob Ivy does an incredible job. Again, it's like. I'm kind of in the bag for this movie because it, it's like a checklist of all my favorite stuff. It's like Bruce Campbell, Universal Classic Monsters, old exploitation. We've got subtext like a mother coming out of every scene. Like it just hits <laughs> all the boxes for me. Bob Ivy is great. I also want to talk about how great Ozzy Davis is because everybody's mm. playing it straight, but Ozzy Davis is playing like he's playing for an Oscar. He's really acting. Yeah. <laughs> he's not being funny. It's like the it's like the Michael Caine meme where people are like talking about Muppet Christmas Carol and they're like you're playing this as serious as a car accident <laughs> Ozzy Davis is playing this as serious as a car accident he believes Ozzie, he's jail Ozzy yeah, just looks I at mean, him and he's like do the right thing yeah <laughs> even to the point like like the, and the character in, in himself only has like one break and even then it's like the lead up to that break is oh like very serious like when he's like Mar- like when Elvis asks yeah. about Marilyn like what about what Marilyn like Marilyn Monroe, how was she in the in in bed? And then he's like, "That's top classic. That's top. That's top. Um, secret classification. Yeah." And then then he's like, "But between you and me, wow! <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's the only wow. break. He does a wow, yeah. and then he spins in his little wheelchair and like <laughs> perfectly yeah. timed. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I I one thing too. I love their relationship in this movie because. He he's kind of in the background, and I thought like early on he was like gonna die in that one scene, and it's like oh we don't get that much of him. He was just kind of like a you know a character to set up. But I really like how it shows Elvis kind of progressing as a better person because at the beginning he's like pretty dismissive of him, of like oh yeah it's just this crazy guy who thinks he's JFK. I'm like even though he might be a crazy guy who thinks he's Elvis, like he's just like whatever dude. Okay, he's like you know like jfk was why blah 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 and he's just kind of like whatever but then like throughout the course of the movie he starts to respect him more and the, by the end he's like he's like mr president and he's all like so he just starts to show him that respect and to kind of treat him like you know the way because he always calls him elvis he always jack always kind of ta- ta- calls him elvis and tr- treats him like he's elvis and he's not like a crazy old man and then when he starts to show that same respect back you really are like okay Elvis is growing a lot as a person. He is kind of becoming this hero that he needs to be. And I, I think that's a really good way to show that arc. 
Absolutely. It it's it is on purpose, I think. It is the 180 from the opening scene guy of his roommate like gasping and dying as Elvis does nothing. And now he has an opportunity to take someone seriously and to get involved. And Jack Kennedy is his opportunity. And it's great because they they don't just use him as a martyr or victim character. They're like, nope, they're going to be buddies. They're going to do this together because that's the thing. Elvis is a man of action, right? He does Mm -hmm. the Kung Fu. He does that stuff. He needs the brains. And Jack Kennedy, ironically, has part of his brain removed. And that's why it's awesome that he's the guy that does the research. It's so good. I also love that he talks about having a little bag of sand in his head. Like, for what it's worth, by the way, I think the movie does leave it purposefully vague. You are supposed to be wondering if he's really Elvis, if he's really Jack. I believe he's really Elvis, and I believe that is really Jack. I have to because the star tells me it's Jack Kennedy. <laughs> I yeah, have to yeah. Believe him. I want to believe they, they, he's Jack. Yeah, exactly. They're like, they're like, they give you just enough to be like, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Totally. And he is, that's the other thing I love too. And you brought that up is like, you know, when he starts taking him more seriously and he starts, you know, treating him like Mr. President, I was like, I had a moment today too. I was like, that's genius. You've got the president of the United States, a man of power, the mm-hmm. king of rock and roll, a man of a different kind of power, taking on a pharaoh, a man of like ultimate power. Three powers, right? I was like, this movie is loaded. It's, it's like it's better than Godzilla versus King Kong. This it's is the true Godzilla versus King Kong. 100%. Yes. Absolutely. And, and, and that's kind of why I love the the fact that he is an ancient pharaoh in a cowboy hat because it is just such. I love just when things are just like a rat. They're like not necessarily a rat, but it's just such a weird combination of things that don't on the surface seem like they go together, but they find a make way for them to work. I love when movies are able to take these kind of different things and just, all right, here you go. They're all working together. Not in like a ready player one way, where it's just like these things don't like, we'll just throw in the iron giant and it'll be a gun. But when it's like, oh no, they actually put some thought behind all of the characters and like oh yeah here's a here's a mummy in a cowboy hat going up against an old elvis and a black jfk it's it's just so weird but it really really works and i I also love that the plot like you said matt is a universal monster movie because it really does have that feel of all the universal monster movies where it's like yeah this is like a mummy but like you never really know a lot of times, like, what are the rules for it? Like, sometimes it's like, yeah, these monsters have electricity, and sometimes they can just, like, walk through a wall. And, like, it's different from movie to movie what, like, the power of any monster is. And sometimes they have powers that, like, you were like, wait, wasn't that a power that this, that the Invisible Man had in this movie? But now, like, Frankenstein has it. It's just, like, it's, but it's just kind of like a grab bag of just, like, old school. It really does have yeah. that old school, slow, creeping creature from the black lagoon mummy boris karloff feel to it and it's not like oh no we've got to run and fight and punch this thing like tom cruise you know uh Damn it's it. like i was gonna make that joke <laughs> <laughs> i was it, like it, tom cruise's misstep it was yeah. that he never watched boba hotep <laughs> he should have he should have i mean yeah. maybe jake johnson did and i think that's why he's the only good thing in that movie yeah. um but uh like the walker guys you don't fight him <laughs> Exactly. And that's why, you know, the the that's one of my favorite things about the Predator movies is is that or at least the good ones, like the new one and the first one, that they they always you always gotta outthink the Predator. You're never gonna outpunch the Predator, you're never gonna like fight him. Even if you're Arnold Schwarzenegger and you're and like 
Jesse Ventura and like uh, Apollo Creed and all the most ripped dudes in the world, you're never going to f- outfight the Predator. You're going to have to outthink him. And just in that same way, you're never going to outfight Bubba Hotep. You've got to like kind of find a way to like use your, your wits to, to get him. And I love that kind of monster movie. Yes. And also for my universal classic monster heads in the audience, he does kind of borrow a lot of the power sets from the old Karloff mummy movies. We see that Bubba can teleport. We see that Bubba is brought with scarabs. So if scarabs are nearby, I don't know what the connection is with the scarabs and the chocolate. I thought that was a little weird. Um, apparently in, in that tin of chocolates is where the scarabs go. I guess they want sweet things. Um, but yes, well, these it could be like, like, mummy abilities. Yeah, it feels very much like they because with the um, you know, the the superior mummy movie with Brendan Fraser coming out in 1999. Very much felt like they watched that and they took that and maybe like maybe it could be interpreted like like the like the chocolates aren't actually chocolates. They're the, they're those you know those scarabs that that are in in case, but then they break out and they grow and stuff. Oh, you yeah, know, kind of thing. Yeah, because those scarabs oh, look like yeah, chocolates. I, oh yeah, yeah, you're yeah, right, yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So. But yeah, so like I, I kind of you get that which the the Brendan Fraser mommy is definitely like in the vein and like was a, is a really awesome interpretation of like the old um universal monster movies because they did take those kind of ca- concepts and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, it very much felt like especially with the scarab thing. I was like this kind of feels like the mummy but not but like <laughs> like a different form. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I have to give Don Coscarelli a lot of credit because this is not an expensive movie. This movie was made mm-hmm. for like $600,000. It's very tight. These movies are normally super cut rate. And the first time you see the Scarab Beetle, it looks like a special effect prop, right? It's made by K&B Effects, their fantastic effects house. But they spent money. When that thing flies around, it looks great. They spent money on an exploding beetle, a burning beetle. Yeah. Like, it looks really good. Like, for what should be a cut rate B movie that another director, like, I love him, but... Lloyd Kaufman would knock this out in two weeks and it would be. Uh, yeah, I know. I was like, I was about to say this is very much here. like there was one moment where I was like, this is trauma material was like when he got it gets hit by the mummy and they're rolling down the the like hill. Oh, no, no, no. It was when he was rolling down the hill. Yeah. yeah. And stuff like that. I was like, this is Kaufman. This, this is like pure Papa Kaufman kind of thing. Don was like, take this time to make that stuff meaningful and make mm-hmm. it that's the difference between Lloyd Kaufman and Don Coscarelli. And I like both yeah. of those guys, but like, even that is great. Like that is such a classic setup payoff. Cause at first when he's going to investigate with the Walker, it feels like a big character moment. Like, look, he's, he's getting his footing. He's being brave to go all the, this is an old ass man, no mobility <laughs> going down this like really steep hill to get to this Creek. Right? No, mm-hmm. that's the setup for your big finish at the end. Like, it's just so well placed. It this movie is brilliantly structured. I love it. I love it. I'm in the camp of just loving this. I plant my flag on this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Another another like trauma gimmick that I felt was like with with going back to the scarab when the scarab was like in the in the essentially holding on to the sides of the of the oh um, the bedpan when he's like hanging on. Yeah, yeah. I was just <laughs> like, good. that's so. Much. And they pay that off too. I love that too. They took the time to have a little key light inside the bedpan so you can clearly see the beetle hanging on i was like <laughs> dude good on yeah. you whatever pa put that little mini key light inside that bedpan i noticed buddy and it looks great you did a good mm-hmm. job yeah that was just like class just like a 
so so That's like such a fun gimmicky, sequence. but like, so good yeah even it was the good. music yeah. cranks up for that and he's i gotta talk about brian tyler's score for this is so good because it has that elvisy vibe so i was reading i i was reading online they were like obviously they can't license any real elvis music for this because it would take up their whole budget right it would erase their whole budget so they had to have music that emulated the sound of elvis emulated the eras of his career of the movies and brian tyler's score captures that so well because it really oozes elvis even that bit where it ramps up and it gets a little heavy for him to fight the scarab in his room it's it's just it so perfectly blends the worlds of like army of darkness and Elvis Presley in, in that nice little riff. It feels really great. And there's some like good Egyptian-y kind of like sounding, you know, st- like when you go to the flashback and it goes to ancient Egypt, it does a really good job of emulating that feel too, while not feeling out of tone with the uh, soundtrack for the rest of the film. Yes, 100%. 100%. And Brian Tyler just owns that. And, and apparently after this, this was like his big kicker because he's gone on to do tons of movies and and again like what a great calling card another this is a stepping stone film for him as well because this that guy went on to do a lot of great scores and you could just tell it it feels really good he said he was inspired by the score for a movie i've actually never seen called six string samurai which i think is like another proto-punk movie that has a lot of elvis influence with like even down to characters dressing like elvis um Mm. so he picked well he did he did really good yeah yeah well, I really I wanted to touch real fast on the fact that this movie is obviously a cult classic and it feels like a movie that is made in a laboratory to be what you want a cult classic film to be. Just like in terms of, you know, how we we're describing how weird and specific its plot is, how it's, you know, that 90-minute movie and then like I was saying earlier, I, I touched on that this was one of one of the last movies I've ever heard of to be roadshowed. Where and if anybody listening doesn't know exactly what that means, it means it's and they would just take prints of the film from city to city and just kind of show it in whatever city. And now they kind of they don't really do that. They do it a little bit, but it's more of like now they do limited releases. Where it'll open in New York and L.A. and they just expand. And a big part of the reason they don't really do that anymore, other than just kind of like it doesn't make sense in today's age is that now things are digital and you don't have to worry about making prints prints aren't expensive to make because i looked it up there was only 32 prints of this movie made so it became that kind of thing like you know one of those movies where it's like oh yeah did you did you see the elvis movie oh it's it's coming to town we gotta watch you know like if we miss it when when are we gonna get to see it again because it's not like you can just like stream something on netflix or even just like pirate it if you don't see this movie you, you don't see it and it becomes that like almost like urban legend where like if somebody had told me in a pre-internet age like it's like okay yeah there's the Elvis mummy movie and it's gonna be showing but it's only for one night I'm like sure I'll go see that after I get the Mew from behind the truck it's it just seems so weird and ridiculous and the fact that it it has this life to it is is like almost a blueprint for what you would expect from a quote-unquote cult classic yeah, and like it shouldn't work because usually when you set out like cult classics are never cult classics when you're making them. Usually mm-hmm. when people attempt to make them, they suck. You know, there are very few exceptions mm-hmm. like Black Dynamite knows it's going to be a cult movie. So we're all kind of on board. But there are many other manufactured B-movies like those Sharknado movies like they're making them and they're crap. And, and they're made to be these cult classics, but no one's hanging on to them. The great cult classics mm-hmm. are movies that believe they're really, truly great. 
right? Like mm-hmm. The Room, like Tommy Wiseau thought he was making a great movie. He thought he was <laughs> making Rebel Without a Cause and he winds up making The Room, right? Like Neil <laughs> Breen is a guy who thinks he's like a genius and thank God he does because then we get Neil Breen movies. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you tried to set out and you were like, we're going to get Neil Breen, get him to make a Neil Breen movie. We're going to come up with all this weird Neil Breen stuff. He's an alien. He's Jesus. He's this, he's that. It wouldn't work because it rings false. The sincerity, the intent of your filmmakers, the sincerity is what makes the cult movie because you can feel people's vulnerability. They're wearing it on their sleeve. The actors are terrible, but they don't know they're terrible. That's what makes them great. You know, it's like, it's weird because this movie does have all those elements exactly right. Those cult elements and it shouldn't work. But mm-hmm. for me, it like, it works like gangbusters, man. It's just like, all of it just pays off. And I'm kind of glad that we never got a sequel because part of me, as yes. much as I look, man, I love to beat the drum. Let's keep, let's keep rigging them out. Let's see more. Right. I love that. Consume, consume, consume. I don't think you can catch lightning like this in a bottle twice. I think it would be weird. I think it would be, that's when I think it would come off like super manufactured and obvious. And you know, they're going to, now he's going to be fighting Nosferatu. It's like, okay. And I think Bruce, Bruce Campbell mm-hmm. kind of saw the writing on the wall because when they asked him to do the sequel, he didn't want to do it. So I think that tells you everything you need to know right there. He's like, I don't want to besmirch and soil this amazing memory of this movie that we made. Kind of yeah, glad. I think it also adds it also adds to like the cultness of you know the delivery of it. It just is another added layer to like making the perfect cult classic because you know you get that stinger at the end of like oh Elvis will be back. It's just a classic that kind of like movie, you know that B midnight movie. Like oh, it's good. There's gonna be a sequel and and it. it leaving it open ended like that is makes it a lot better and it, it adds to like that kind of like mythos to the story as well. Absolutely. And apparently it does kind of live on in a comic. I think there was a, a comic book that Yeah, it's like an Army of Darkness meets yeah. Bubba Hotep. Yeah, which I gotta read now. I think I'm gonna try and snag it on Amazon. Yeah, and that's like that's the thing. It's like yeah with you know the fact that it's like oh they did that as like the sequel's never going to happen that's such a good joke and the joke is kind of ruined if you actually do the sequel it's like that's kind of why i'm a little bit eh, about history of the world part two because it's like it's funny that it was history of the world part one and we were never going to get a part two that's hilarious you know or it's it's like when you do have these guys and they unintentionally make this cult classic like look at anything tommy was so made after the room he's trying to recapture that and it's never good and it's, it's like all the yeah. the birdemic movies the first one is always just so bad it's good and then they're like oh we're gonna do it again and it's just like when you're trying now you you, you know it's it's not good and that's <laughs> why i accidentally actually did it though in the same way as this movie because like he was supposed to make a shark monster movie and they did a trailer they put it at the end i think of best friends part one is when when i saw it um when they when they streamed that but um they that never went through so, so Good. now yeah, that yeah. Movie, yeah. But, like his name that, that, like, that trailer yeah. yeah that trailer exists it's, it's like essentially like like the water is flowing up it's flooding speaking of of present um weather times right here in, in california the water water's rising and the sharks are coming from the sea into the city and stuff like that and they shot a trailer him and you know and greg cicero and um it didn't didn't go through because of the pandemic oh, but yeah amazing. yeah that's even better yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. but like his show where there's like these like the neighbors or whatever, like it's it's just you know, or like oh, that's why. Oh god, I, yeah, that was like ugh. Yeah, 
that's that's why I'm like I really am not excited about them making another Nicole Kidman AMC ad because I'm like if you know what it is now it's not going to be good it's not going to be like this ridiculous iconic like deadpan thing if you're like in on the joke they're sequelizing it yeah like like they've hired they hired um um Billy Ray to to write the sequel who he wrote the this the the original and I'm just like. If you if him and Nicole Kidman get that though, then it's it's not going to be funny. It's just it's because they are taking that so dead serious that first like because here they are you know like and if you're like doing a wink wink to the camera and we're all in on it, it's not going to be good anymore. It's because they're like oh my god, movies are the most serious thing. Let's go somewhere we've never been before. Jurassic Park, like like it's, it's like oh my god. So Jurassic like World, it, not park. Yeah, Jurassic, <laughs> yeah. Jurassic World. Like she has that line as they're looking at the gates for a reboot franchise that we've been to five times. So if you know somehow like, heartbreak feels good in a place like this, you know, it just mm-hmm. feels good. Absolutely. <laughs> I can't believe they're sequelizing it. Companies ruin everything, man. Thanks a lot, yeah. AMC. Yeah, so I'm Get so glad that it stands on its own. You know, this this is it's just its own thing. We don't ever need another one. It's perfect just the way it is. And like you said, Bruce Campbell understands that. Which, interestingly enough, I think the one time that it has worked and they have made a sequel to something that is like kind of had that cult reaction and then it kind of became more jokey and the sequels were the evil dead movies you know that's the one time it's worked and it was bruce campbell so for well, whatever think, reason yeah. he knew that was going to work that time and maybe it's just He's... because it is um you know uh the sensibilities of um of um oh my gosh uh i'm spacing on his name uh yeah no uh the guy who directed uh oh, oh, Thank you, thank you. Yeah. I well, hilarious that. enough, you guys say that. I feel like Don Coscarelli has like three cult hits. He's got Phantasm, and then I know he has like all the sequels after that. But like, you got Bubba Hotep, and then he got John Dies at the end. Where even John Dies at the end started as like this cult following on the internet with David Wong, Jason Parjan, and then it evolved into the novel series. But I, I feel like he he just really gets it. But I think he's not doing it on purpose. And it's just it's just wild that he's kind of hit lightning in a bottle three times in in like that cult classic kind of fashion. Yeah, absolutely. I would even argue four. I mean, Phantasm Two is awesome. <laughs> Phantasm Two stands with Phantasm One. I think. Uh, in fairness, I have not seen Phantasm Four Ravager or whatever that whatever that is called. I've oh heard yeah, it's I, good. I haven't I haven't seen all of them. I, I've, I've I saw the first one and I was like, this is cool. I get why it's a cult classic. And I was like, I'll get to him later. Uh, <laughs> that's like, that's like what it took me the longest time to get to Phantasm 2. I was like, yeah, you know, I got, I got eight other movies, man. It's like, exactly. I was like exhausted waitress. I was like, I got a lot of tables, dude. I got, I got things. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, so go. guys, lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I got a question for you. Speaking of, you know, since we were talking here about how good the casting was with him as Elvis, we touched on Austin Butler as Elvis. Do you guys have a, a favorite Elvis performance in movies? Who, who did Elvis in Walk, in, in Walk Hard? That's what was going to be mine. It was Jack White. It was Jack White from yeah. The White Stripes. Yep. Yep. Man from only two kind of people in the world karate. <laughs> people in the king. Dude, that was pretty good. Yeah. Also, Jack has a great karate chop too. Like yeah. his karate chop, <laughs> the way it's shot. Um, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna give you the exact answer you think I'm gonna give you. It's Bruce Campbell, yeah, as or as Sebastian Half slash Elvis Aaron Presley. 
Uh, although I would give a second, I would give a worthy second to Kurt Russell uh, from John Carpenter's Elvis. Yeah, I when I was like looking up Elvis stuff, I was like, "There's a John Carpenter made-for-TV movie with Kurt fucking Russell." Like, I was like, "How have I never yeah. heard of this?" And is it any it's good? Very, yeah, it's very hard to find. He made it shortly after his success with Halloween, but it is definitely worth seeking out. You might be able to catch it on somewhere like Internet Archive or YouTube, something mm-hmm. like that. But. Um, it's worth checking out because Kurt Russell really commits to the performance and it's just fun. Kurt, all, you know, more Kurt Russell is always a good thing. So if you want to see more Kurt, you want to see him play Elvis, he's good. I think he's like a fan. Of, well, because then he come, wasn't there another movie where they're like impersonators and it's a heist? Yeah. 3,000 miles to Graceland. There the Elvis, oh Elvis heist movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a whole subgenre of Elvis impersonator movies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. For sure. We were obsessed with that in the 90s, too, because wasn't there like Honeymoon in Vegas where uh-huh. Nick Cage and Nick Cage. Parker got married and had to, yep. they had the skydiving Elvises? We yeah. went through a whole fascination uh-huh. with the Elvis impersonator in yeah, the 90s. For sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Isn't there yeah. like a f- Finding Graceland or something like that? There, there's that one. And then there's like, yeah, there was a lot of Elvis stuff in the 90s. I think yeah. Harvey Keitel was uh, Elvis in it. That's I think you're interesting. Absolutely, yes. That, yeah, yeah. I can't even picture right. that. Yeah. I also love the subtleties in Bubba Hotep where like he never has to say he does call out Priscilla Presley, but he never has to say Lisa Marie. He just says, My daughter. And it yeah. and it feels so poignant. Like when he shows him the picture when he has his medicine bag and he's like, hey, it's gotta get my mojo, man. And he has he has the purple heart from his dead roommate, and he's got a picture and he just says, My daughter. And it just uh-huh. feels so meaningful in that moment. Like it feel it makes him real. It humanizes Elvis. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he he is playing it like a joke, but he's he's it's not just like a one note. And I and like I said, I liked I liked the movie. I liked Dan Radcliffe's performance in it of Weird Al. It's a very different performance. He's just doing like, hey, this is a funny joke. I'm being funny. Whereas this is like he is doing that, but it's also a real character it is like a real person with depth and sadness yeah. and regret and a tumor on his dick <laughs> yes yes i could not agree more i think he only slips into the elvis stuff at the end when like he kind of he almost has to reconnect with his own inner elvis power and that's mm-hmm. when he does the karate moves and he says thank you very much like he becomes the guy you remember it's kind mm-hmm. of awesome because up to that point, he's just a shell of his former self. It's it's such a good take on Elvis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, guys, uh, before we wrap up here, any any final thoughts on? Um, I was about to say on on Elvis, like twenty twenty two on um on uh, Bubba Hotep. Just like in, if you're looking for that classic Bruce Campbell feel of horror movie, like definitely, yeah, definitely check it out. And then, yeah, I guess like just listen to to matt's commentary on the you know and just kind of take that into light and you'll be like enlightened a lot more while you watch it (laughs) thank you uh i would just say too that if you're a budding filmmaker i'm sure there are like people who want to make movies who listen to this show this is a great movie for you to watch this is a super low budget film but it's made with real heart and passion there's nothing cut rate about it they took their time and it actually does a lot of things that i love that you know it shows you the advantages of making a low budget movie and kind of being hamstrung by a, a low budget because they have to reuse locations but they use them smartly the way things are set up and paid off 
is so great. Like the you are constricted by the budget, but you can play and get get big creative wins out of that. So I think especially for a budding filmmaker, definitely gotta watch Bubba Hotep. Yeah, I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, you know, they use the the guys uh, that that carry the the dead bodies into the hearse. You know, you see that a couple times, and like they just use it. You know, they they kind of it gets funnier every single time. And, and yeah, like honestly, that that's what I really really love about low budget films is that you have to get creative. You have to. You you don't have the money or, or, you know, you might not even have a studio backing you up. So I absolutely love the creativity. And that's why we do get some of these wonderful cult classic films because, you know, they, they're taking the time, like you're saying, but they're also trying to find new ways, trying to figure something out. Just, like shit, even like Evil Dead, you know, they, they, there's a scene where I think... Um, Bruce Campbell's in like the basement and like a hand or something grabs him. And that hand is like, you know, they filmed it in, in one state and then that hand was filmed in like another state, but they just cut it together and there you go. And, and you, you believe the viewer believes that that happened right there and there. So absolutely. Yeah. I think definitely this is one of those like aspiring filmmaker type of movies, you know, like, like clerks or evil dead. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, clerks another great one yeah that's that's a good call yeah the the last thing i i would say about this movie is um and something that always stuck out for me and like for before i knew anything about it is that if you're gonna you know be a filmmaker like this and it's so valuable to have just a really good unique perfect name and this movie, Bubba Hotep, like it, it's so good on so many levels because it's like nothing you ever heard before. You instantly know what it is because like Hotep, that sounds very Egyptian. Bubba, that's very Southern. It tells you what you need to know about the movie in a very simple way. And it catches your attention. And it's not like and you're not going to get the name of this movie confused with something else. You're like Bubba Hotep. That's what this is. Even me not knowing anything about this movie, I'm just like, it sounds Egyptian. I didn't even necessarily know that there was a mummy in it, but I'm like, oh, I knew that I had seen a picture of Bruce Campbell as Elvis. That's all I needed. And yeah, so just like if you come up with a good name for you, like a bad name can sink a movie and a good name can really build, help build that cult reputation and really give your movie that little extra oomph that it might need. So that's that's my big one of my last final takeaways uh, for this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Funny enough, the writer of this movie and the guy who came up with the original short story, Joe Lansdale, he's like a famous, weird Texas crank guy, just like a weird sci-fi author living in Nacogdoches, Texas. And apparently the way he came up with the title was he was watching uh, some one of the older mummy movies and he saw Emotep and he was like, Emotep. He's like, that guy came to Texas. He would be Bubba Hotep. And it was just (laughs) that. That's that's how that's how the story came to be. Out of a joke, from a joke yeah. that that guy. That there you go, oh. it works, and I, I, and it really works because it seems like something Elvis would say when he's just like sees him. It's just like because it, you kind of don't think like, oh yeah, they're, like it's not one of those times in the movies where they're like, at, like they say the name of the movie and you're like, okay, yeah, but it's mm-hmm. it's just when he's like Boba Hotep, you're like, hey, 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 you know, <laughs> so it, it it really worked, um, hundred <laughs> percent, yeah. But yeah, Matt, uh, thank you so much for being on and, and bringing us this, this absolutely weird movie. Like I said, like everything I said at the beginning, you just validated where I was like, yeah, you love schlock, but you've got such great insights into it. 
if this doesn't prove that, I don't know what does. So, like, I, people, if you loved this, which why wouldn't you? Like, where where can people hear more of, of you, Matt? Oh, thank you. We are, uh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> we're the Matt Mark Movie Show. You can get us on all major streaming platforms. Catch us on the socials at the Matt and Mark Movie Show on Instagram. We're very active there. We would love to have you. I think by the time this Bubba Hotep episode drops, uh, we're going to be talking about Megan, the killer robot doll movie. So oh, uh, I'm excited to see that. that. I am too. I loved James Wan's Malignant. So bring it on. Let's thank have you. some more. Oh my God. Yeah. Thank you. No one other than like my girlfriend, no one agrees that with me that it's a great fucking movie. It's a fun oh, as hell horror film. Thank you so much. Malignant <laughs> is a movie that will make you want to do cartwheels. It's so fun. Uh, and I'm hoping through chairs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yes. So there you go. Matt and Mark movie show. Thank you all. Um, and I, and I'm going to have all of you, everybody from the underrated crew on my show very soon. So yeah. thank you for having me. Looking looking forward to that, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, thank you again for being on. And uh, we will, like you said, uh, be on your show soon. Uh, so very excited for that. But if you guys have liked what you've heard from us here as well, we've got a whole back catalog. Uh, we just, this is our episode 101. So that means there's a hundred other great episodes you can go back and listen to. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and so just check all those out. Our episodes are pretty evergreen, uh, so you can listen to those whenever. Uh, we do some other stuff as well. Uh, Ariel has her podcast, You've Never Seen, where she kind of will take someone, take a movie that they really should have seen by this point. If uh, It's something that is, you know, culturally relevant or, or um, just some, a cinematic history. Um, introduce it to them, or sometimes someone will introduce the show, uh, a movie to them, like I just introduced her to the apartment. We had a really great time talking about that one, my favorite Billy Wilder films. I've also got my show that I do with my friend Damien, um, Can I Say Something? It's kind of just a, um, I co-host that one, and it's kind of a more of what we've been watching show. And then Infinity Stones and Dragon Bones, which Matt has also been on. That's uh, that's where we talk about the latest MCU properties that's released whenever there is a new MCU release. And then we have our Patreon podcast that we do as well that we release sporadically. Um, we are actually going to be just in a couple days from when this comes out recording our episode on the top 10 movies of 2022 so me alan and ariel are all going to be going down our lists of the top 10 movies of last year uh really really good year for movies i'm still trying to watch a couple things before i have That's my finalized list too. yeah like um, just a little topic <laughs> topping on the on the sending <laughs> yeah like there a lot of lot of really good year last year um so you know if you if you want to check out our patreon stuff you can get it for as little as a buck a month and, and get that uh, bonus podcast and you know uh, we, we always really appreciate that but we also just appreciate you listening here um, you investing your time is always so appreciated if you could leave us a review um, you know preferably five stars on however you're listening Apple Spotify give us a like on YouTube if that's how you you, uh, you watch uh, slash listen um, it's always really appreciated tell a friend or uh, whoever you like but thank you guys again. Thank you, Matt. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Hi, thanks for being amazing. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.